Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Romans chapter 8, we're going over some verses that for a long time have been misused, misquoted, taken out of context. The statement that you hear a lot of times when people say God will take what the enemy meant for bad and make good out of it comes out of these verses. And the truth is that doesn't always happen because Scripture clearly tells us he does want to set us up for good. Why? I'll tell you why. He's a good God. James 1 says he is good, the father of lights, and nothing but good comes from him, all good and perfect gifts, in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. But the other side of the context of this whole issue is people just think they can just keep living the way they want. I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to emphasize this multitudes of times today. Your biggest problem as a believer, not seeing God work in your life, has to do with the fact that you're not doing what the Word said. Most Christians think they are, but the reality is if you're not doing what the Word of God said, how can God help you if you don't do it His way? Our purpose of getting born again is to learn how to walk with God and do things His way. Tell somebody next to you, His way is better than yours. Romans 8, 26, as we started this last Sunday morning, likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit also helps in our weaknesses where we lack understanding and ability. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with us, uh, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I won't have a lot of time today because we already touched on this last Sunday. I'm going to go through three points here in just a moment. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not praying in the Spirit every day, you're missing out on a huge part of what God wants to bring to pass in your future. You're limiting yourself on what only you know. What your future has in store for you, if you say tongues ain't for me, here's what you just said. I'm going to live my life only based on what I know. Are you listening? If you say tongues isn't for me, I'm not into that tongue stuff and praying in tongues and all that stuff. Here's what you just said. I'm going to limit my life to what only my little brain knows. We don't know all the things as we should. We have a weakness, lack of knowing all that God knows. But we got a helper who will speak through us. Come on. Who will speak through us? with groanings which we can't utter with our brain because they're not from your brain. And therefore help us to prepare our future for what God has. Things we would have never experienced. How do we know? 27, because he, the Holy, he, God who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is because he, the Holy Spirit, does what? He makes intercession for us. What's intercession? He's bridging the gap. What is God's will? Where we are, God wants to bring us together. Say it. What is God's will? And where we are, God wants to bring us together. How do you bridge that gap? One of the ways is the Holy Spirit. Intercession means you're bridging the gap. It's like, you can look at it like I'm standing on this side of, of, a, of, a, of a mountain. There's a, you know, a valley between me and that other side. Over there is God's will. Here's where I am. Guess what the Holy Spirit does? He builds a bridge. He provides a way for me to get over there to God's will. He bridges the gap. That's what intercession means. This Holy Spirit, again, verse 27, he makes intercession for us, the saints, according to what? The will of God. And I told you this last week. If, if you're praying according to the will of God, 1 John, 1 John 5, 14, if I pray according to the will of God, what do I know? I know he heard me. Don't say I know I have what I've asked. No, he said if you pray according to the will of God, what do you know? He heard what I've said. If I know that he heard me, what do I know? I have what I've asked of him. So if you're praying according to the will of God, how how many know God's hearing you? And you're going to have what you're praying. How many know God wants things to come to pass in your life you don't know about? And they're all good. But for that to happen, you've got to be praying in the Holy Spirit or you're missing out. 28, and we know 
See, this is where everybody kicks in this verse by itself. We know that all things work together for good. What's the first word in verse 28? And, which means you got to tie it back to what he just said. Because we're praying in the Holy Spirit, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to give you these three things this morning out of these verses that tell you what you can do to see all things work together for good. How many of you want to see all things work together for good? Yes. That's half of you. So the rest you can go to sleep right now. Just don't snore. How many of you want to see all things work together for your good? Yes. Okay, so how do you get that? Number one, you got to pray in the Spirit. Yes. Daily. Because as you're praying in the Spirit, as we talked about last week, who are you talking to? You ain't talking to men. You're talking to God. Why? So God can hear you. And I'm going to show you this again in just a minute, but it's a spiritual law. Nothing comes into existence that is not first believed and spoken. I'm going to say it again. Nothing comes into existence in your life until it's first believed and then spoken. For something to come into existence in your life, it has to be believed and spoken, positive or negative. You're walking in today what you've been believing and speaking in your yesterdays. I was talking to somebody the other day. They immediately said, my this, and they labeled what the doctors had labeled them with. I said, does God say that you have that? Well, you don't understand. I have it. I didn't ask that question. I asked a specific question. Did God say you had that? Did God, is there a place in the Bible that God said that belongs to you? They just stood at me like I was crazy or nuts. Like, what are you talking about? I said, did God say that you have this? No. Well, as long as you say it and believe it, you will have it. Yeah, but the doctor said, I know what the doctors told you. I get it. Thank God for doctors, but let me help you. You're either going to walk by faith what God said, or you're going to walk by sight what the doctor said. Which one do you want to walk by? See, healing's not hard. It's just difficult to get people to walk in the light of what the Bible says. Believe the Bible above your body. Believe the Bible above the doctor. Nothing wrong with the doctor telling you what you're dealing with, but guess what? You can't claim it. If you claim it, then, ladies and gentlemen, it's yours. You, your body is not who you are. Come on, all my men who have been going through our Total Man series. Who's supposed to be the king now that you're born again? In relationship to your three-part being of your life. Who's supposed to be the ruler in your Your spirit is. Why? Because he's led by the Holy Spirit. If my spirit's dominating, what is my soul to be? What is my soul to be? What is my soul to be? Servant to the Spirit. My soul isn't supposed to determine what I do. My spirit man is. My soul is supposed to take from what my spirit knows and confess that, believe that, act upon that. Right? What is my body? It's a slave. It's a slave. It's just supposed to do what my spirit man wants to do. Not my soul. Come on, somebody. The, the body's not supposed to have a choice in anything. It is going to do what it's told. So you got to understand this. This is so important, man. Number one, you got to pray in the spirit if you want to see all things work together for good. Number two, we're going to talk about this one today. You got to love God. Read it. We know all things. Verse 28, you with me? Verse 28, look at it. We know all things work together for good to those who love God. What if you don't love God? Then all things don't work together for good. That simple. Who do all things work together for good for? Those who pray in the Spirit and those who love God. Number three, notice this, and watch this, to those who are called according to His purpose. Number three, you got to live life according to God's plan. Talk about that more later on. Got to live life according to God's plan. See, I can't not pray in the Spirit and get all that God has for me that's good. Because I'm limiting myself to what I know. Well, not everything you know is all of what God has for you that's good. I got to pray in the Spirit. Number two, I got to love God, as you're going to see today. Number three, I know I got to love God. I got to do life according to His plan and purpose for me, the way He destined for me to live, the way He, de- the way he actually initially created man to actually function in this earth. We got to go back to that. We got to go back to functioning the way man was created to function. Amen? And if we do that, this, guess what we know? All things. Does anybody here want to have all things working together for your good? Well, then guess what you got to do? You got to start praying the Spirit. You got to know that you love God. And you got to do this according to God's plan. Now, I want you real quick, go to Mark with me again. 
just for a second, Mark chapter 11. I don't ever, never, ever, ever, never want anybody in my church to ever forget this verse. This is a spiritual law. Spiritual laws cannot be changed unless God changes them. He made them. He's the only, way that, only one that can change them. And I guarantee you, he has put spiritual law into existence because God doesn't change. Those laws don't change. They're absolute. They're working for you whether you believe it or not. You don't have to believe in spiritual law for it to work. You don't have to believe in gravity. You believe in gravity? Nope. Okay, come on. We're going to take you up on the building and throw you off. You hit the ground. You believe in gravity? Nope, still don't believe in it. I mean, some people would just be that you know, determined to say, no, I don't believe in it, even though you actually saw it work. You listening? Mark eleven twenty three. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not underline it, doubt in his heart. Where can I not doubt in my heart? Good or bad. If I do not doubt with something in my heart, but I believe it, then those things he says, not what God said, what you say. Now, you ought to say what God said. But what you say, notice, those things he says will be done. You kidding me? I'm serious. A lot of people read that don't even realize. God will not even violate this in your life. Because God said, if you believe it in your heart, you will have those things that you say. Notice, whatever he believes, those things he says will be done. Listen, underline it. He will have, absolute. Will have, it's this way and no other. He will have whatever he says. Who's going to have whatever he says? Anybody who is speaking out of a belief in their heart will have it. Anybody who's speaking out of a belief in their heart will have it. If you believe you got diabetes and you keep speaking it, you're going to live with diabetes. You better better get to like it. If you believe you got cancer and you say, I believe I got cancer and you keep speaking it, you better love to live with cancer because you're going to live with it all your life. You listening to me? If, if you say, I'm poverty, I, I, I can't make any money, I'm poverty stricken, or I have nothing, or I'll never have nothing, you better get used to living with nothing because you're going to live that way the rest of your life. Well, I don't believe that. The Bible just told you an absolute, so you don't believe Jesus. You know, I'll, I'll never forget this example Brother Hagin gave. He had a guy, he taught on this, a guy came up at the end of a service. I don't believe in that confession stuff. Oh, you don't? No, I don't believe in that stuff, bless God. You just one of those blab it and grab it, name it and claim it guys. He said, no, I'm a Bible guy. I believe the Bible. So I don't believe in that confession stuff that if you say something, it'll come to pass. He said, I don't believe in any of this stuff you're talking about. Is it coming to pass in my life? All these promises and stuff. He said, you walking in those promises? No, he said, it's working for you real good. Working just like he said it was because you don't believe in any of it. You confess you don't believe in any of it. So guess what? You don't have any of it. I believe it. I confess that I have it. Amen. Yes. Can I get a better amen? amen? So this is why praying in tongues is so important. Yes. Because if I'm praying in tongues, who's praying? My spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, your spirit prays. Who's giving you the words? Holy Spirit. So they're perfectly in line with God's will. Correct? But who's praying those words? I am. Your spirit man. Where does faith reside? In your spirit man. Your spirit man don't have any problem putting faith in the words that God speaks by the Holy Spirit. And that's why when you speak in the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're speaking in faith. Because it's coming out of your heart. It ain't coming out of your head. You're speaking words out of your heart. That's how faith works. When you get something, a belief in your heart, you start speaking it with your mouth. That's faith being released. It goes to work, good or bad. Amen. And when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, guess what you're doing? You're speaking words in faith that are in line with God's will. Yes. Well, I don't know what it is. Sure you do. You know what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. I don't know. Yeah, you do. It's good. Yes. It's good. Well, I don't know exactly what it is. You don't need to. All you need to know is it's good. Because yes. you have a good God and who there's no variation, no shadow of turning. So as I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm setting myself up for good. But wait a minute. What if I'm not walking in love towards God? Pray all day long. Come on, pray for hours. Just spend hours praying in the Holy Spirit, but don't walk in love toward God or don't do this the way God set it up, the plan that he has for you how to live this out. Won't work. Got to do all three, folks. Got to pray in the Holy Spirit. Got to love God. Got to do this according to God's plan. So let's work on number two today. Praying in the Spirit's good, but what if I don't walk in love? You'll nullify. What if I don't walk in relationship to love with the love of God? You'll nullify what you're praying. 
He said it clearly. He said that all things work together for good to those who what? Love God. So let's find out about that. Amen? I said amen. John 14. John 14. Don't get mad at me today. Don't throw nothing at me today. If you do, I'll take it anyway, but all you're going to do is just simply miss out on your, on your own. I'm going to deal with a very simple, very important topic today about loving God that a lot of people don't listen to or hear for some reason want to get a hold of or pick up, and it's one of the biggest problems why they're not setting themselves up for good. They'll tell you they love God. Well, you can tell somebody you love them all day long, but let's find out what the Bible says loving God is. What do you think? I'll give you a definition real quick just based on the verses we're going to look at. So here is what it means from a perspective of a believer to love God. Ready? Christian love has God for its primary focus. What if God's not my primary focus? You're not walking in love toward God. God said you got to love him. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God. If I love God, that means what? He's my primary focus. And this love expresses itself, first of all, listen, in implicit obedience to his commandments. So let me, let me just lay this out for you a little simpler. What do you mean, Pastor? God is my primary focus, and because he is, I implicitly obey what he tells me in his word. Implicit means you don't vary from it. You don't come up with your own idea of what you want to do. Ladies and gentlemen, keep ditching church. The Bible told you not to. When you choose to ditch church, you're, you're choosing to do things your way, not God's way. I didn't say you never miss a church service. I'm talking about ditching church because you don't think you need to go. There's something wrong if you don't think you need to come to God's house more in the last days than less. The Bible told you. New Testament told you. I know you don't like hearing it, some of you, but the Bible told you. The Bible said, do not forsake this, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, what if I choose to? You're not walking in love toward God. I'm going to show you in a minute. Well, who are you to tell me whether I love God? I'm not, but Jesus can. I'm not here to tell you whether you love God or not. I'm here to tell you what Jesus said. Because Christian love has God as its focus and, and it expresses itself. Say expresses. So there's actions that follow. It expresses itself, first of all, in implicit, implicit obedience to his commandments. I mean, I don't vary from them. I don't vary from the word of God. When I know what God says, that's what I'm going to do. Thank you for all your amens about my message today. John 14, 15, you tell me I don't love God, I ain't going to tell you whether you do or not. Let's just look at the Bible. What do you say? How about we listen to Jesus? John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Notice he didn't say commandment. Because a lot of people just say, yeah, we're supposed to walk in love. Well, we could apply that. Let's just say all you think it means is to walk in love. Well, if you love God, don't you love his house? Yeah. Don't you love being here? Yeah. Don't you love being around other Christians? Yeah, if you love God, you really walk close with God who is love. Don't you reach out to others with the gospel? Yeah, because the love of God compels you to. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you see that all things work together for good for your future. Some of you lose sight of the whole purpose of what we're talking about in a message and get upset because of something I'm dealing with. And I guarantee what, if I'm stepping on your toes, keep them out there and repent today and get them corrected. God wants things to go good for you in your future. But you can't do this your way and it work. Some of you have been living far too long thinking I could do this my way and it would work. And God says, you don't understand, man. I could have had good working in your life way before now, but you just won't listen to what I'm saying. You think you love me. You think you really do care about me. And you would tell people all day long that I love him, but yet you won't even do the basic things that I commanded you to do. Basic things of Christianity. I had a pastor call me the other day. said, what do I do about this person? I, I know this person. They've been walking with God for years. Years. They've ditched a whole month of Sundays. They haven't even been here for a whole month. And then they reached out to me, called me the other day, so I'm just going through a hard time. I said, there comes a point when you've got to realize when somebody's been walking with God for a long time, you either going to keep treating them like a little baby, pat them on the back, say, don't worry, darling, it'll be okay. God will work it out. Yeah, somehow it'll work out. Or guess what? Guess what, parent? You're going to pull the diaper off and say, we're going to start potty training you. We're going to stop hand feeding you and start teaching you how to do this on your own. God expects you to grow up, folks. Doesn't mean God don't care about your situation, but if you treat a baby Christian, excuse me, you treat a Christian who's been walking with God for years like a baby Christian, guess what you're going to have? A baby Christian. 
Right? How many of you got kids over the age of 12? Raise your hand. How many of you still got them in diapers? Raise your hand. Over 12, they're still in diapers. Raise your hand. Well, you're doing good with your natural kids. Let's make sure we understand God's no different with us. God wants to get the diaper off your bottom. Get you up on your own two feet, walking by faith, walking in the things of God. God needs you as an army doing his work. So he said, so I've addressed this many times with this person. This just goes on and on and on. I said, as long as you treat them like a baby, they're going to stay a baby. I said, this is why, sadly, a lot of people leave my church because I won't treat them like a baby when they've been walking with God for a long time. If I do so, I'm violating God's word. I'm not obeying the Bible as a pastor. The Bible tells me to reprove, to exhort, to correct. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. And all I'm trying to do is help you correct you, the path you're on so you can walk in all that's good for your life in the future. Amen. I said, real simple, man, real simple. First question, if you ask this person this question, do you know you're supposed to be in church? What would they say? What would they say? Oh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be in church. Then guess what you don't deal with? Church attendance. You know why? Because they know they should be there. Right? Well, I'm going through a hard time. So you know to be in church and you're going through a hard time and you're going to pull away from church? <laughs> You think we're going to really help you by acknowledging you're going through a hard time and it's okay to miss a month of, of, of church when you know that's what you're supposed to do? I know some of you are looking like that calf looking at the new gate, but I'm going to show you today that Job himself was so goofed up in his doctrine and yet even though he was, he would not stop serving God. And he was in far worse state than most of us have ever even thought about being in. I said, here's your problem with that person, which we have with a lot of Christians today. They have a love problem. They have a love problem. They think they love God, but they really don't because if they know what to do and they don't do it. I'm going to read it again. If you love me, verse 15, do what? What did he say out loud? Tell me out loud. Who said this? Who said this? Shout it at me. Look at verse 21. He who has my commandments, not commandment, commandments, plural. What I've taught you, what I've told you to do. The things Jesus told us to do, he didn't give them like an option. Well, if this will make you happy, go ahead, do this. <laughs> no, he said, this is a commandment. Why? It's for your good. Now, if all we just went, as I was going to say a minute ago, is by the commandment of love. If I love God, why would I not do what God says? Right? Yeah. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who what? Oh, but what if I know what he has said and I don't do what he has said? Please hear my heart today. Hear, please, please hear God's heart today. Romans 8, 28. I want to see that all things work together for, good, for your good, God says. But you got to love me. And if you love me, you'll do what I told you. You'll do it out of love. You'll keep my commandments. You listening? He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. How about if you know the commandments, what he's told us to do, and you don't keep them? Then obviously you don't love him. Like you think you do. And he who loves me will be what? Loved by my Father. I will love him and do what? I will manifest myself to him. Drop down a little further if you would please. Same chapter. You're still with me, aren't you? Same chapter, verse 23. He says it again. How many times do you, how many times do you want, want him to tell you this? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will do what? Oh, so now it's not commandments. Now it's my word. What my word tells you to do. Well, I love God. You bunch of preachers trying to get us to live all this stuff out, put us in bondage. I think you missed some Sunday school classes. I think you missed some basic training, understanding of the Bible. Walking in the light of the Bible is not bondage. It's called liberty. James says if you're a doer of this word, you're walking in the context of the light of liberty, freedom. It frees you. It don't put you in bondage. You're in bondage and don't know it. God can't work all things for your good because you don't really love him. See, we teach a lot about God loving us. Aren't you glad? Can I help you? God loves every sinner in hell. God's love doesn't change for anybody. I'm so glad his love doesn't change for us. But do we love him? How do we know? We keep his word. We do what he teaches us as New Testament believers. Are you still with me today? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him. We will come to him and we will do what? Make our home with him. In other words, they're going to know exactly what we desire for their life because they're going to be fellowshipping with me and they're going to know me. 
Chapter 15, down a little further. Chapter 15, verse 10. There's so many verses on this. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will abide in a love for me if you do what? Keep my commandments. How many know Jesus is your model? Could I get any good amens today? Yes. Don't, don't have a sour look on your face today like you're upset, don't want to hear this word, don't believe in it. I'm just reading the Bible to you. I'm trying to help you see all things work together for good. If you keep my commandments, you will what? Abide in my love. Watch, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. How did Jesus show the Father that he loved him? Because he did what the Father told him. And when you do what God says, how I many you know things will work out for your good? One who loves God, does, listen, one who loves God does not question God's word. They simply live by it. I'm going to say it again. One who truly loves God, according to Jesus' own words, one who truly loves God does not question God's word. They don't make up their own opinion of it. Well, that's your opinion, not mine. If the Bible's black and white about a matter, New Testament, you're supposed to do it. If you love God, guess what? You don't question it. You don't challenge it. You don't come up with any other excuses why not to do it. But God told me something else. God would not tell you something contrary to his word. You can sit here all day long, look me in the face and say, well, God told me he will never tell you anything to violate his own word. He would then be lying in the word. And some of you don't understand that. Some of you think, well, God told me. If God told you, it goes in line with the Bible. Because he tells truth all the time. He doesn't violate his own word. Well, it's except for you. Now, there's an excuse for you, even though I know all this stuff says this. Not for you, because I've talked to you directly. You ain't hearing from God. Let me help you, because God's never going to violate his word. The quicker you learn that, the better your life would be. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So realize, according to God's own word, who is it that loves him? Those who simply come to the word, they find out what it says. They don't question it. They don't challenge it. They don't do any such thing. You know what they do? They do what he says i got to throw this in here. What if I choose to take a verse that tells me to do something in the New Testament as a New Testament believer, but I choose not to walk in the light of it? Basic stuff, basic Christianity. Church attendance, fellowship with God, time in the Word, live in the Bible, prayer. Amen. Get involved in church. Be a part of the work of God. Be a witness. I mean, basic stuff. This is basic Christianity stuff. So if I know the Bible teaches this is what a New Testament believer does, but I choose not to do that, am I really walking in love towards God? No, I am not. What have I done, church? If I know all those things and I continue to get challenged on those things and I say, well, I know you say that, but let me tell you, God's told me otherwise. What have you just done? What have you just done? You're living in idolatry and you don't even know it. You've made a God to fit you. You've taken a God different than the one in this Bible. And you've made a God to fit you. You say God says this, but the Bible says this. The moment you say God says this and the Bible says something different, that's called idolatry. You've made a God to fit your world, what you want to do, how you want to live it, instead of what God said to do. And idolatry has been around since the fall. And all you're going to do is hurt your life, and then all things are not going to what? Work together for your good. Well, things are going pretty good for me. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Just keep living that way and realize, though, you're missing out on a lot of what God has in your future because you're choosing not to do things God's way. Tell your neighbor he's a lot smarter than me and you. God is. He's a lot smarter. Why would I not want to just do what God says? Now, I still scratch my head and look at people like, but God said this so clear, black and white. Why would you not want to do what he says? Evidently, you don't think he is smarter than you. Evidently, you think, or you think you've heard from him and he's told you something contrary. But isn't it interesting how he tells you something different than all the rest of his kids? No, I don't think he actually has different aspects of lifestyle for different kids. Oh, different purposes? Sure. Uh, different things we walk out? Absolutely. But the basics of Christianity are the same for everybody. Can I get a better amen? Verse, 15, uh, uh, verse 10 again out of chapter 15. Again, if you keep my commandments, you will do what? Abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and done what? Abide in his love. Now, how many know Jesus got more than one commandment? Go to 1 John 2. How many know Jesus got more than one commandment from the Father? Jesus was hearing from the Father all the time, doing what the Father told him to do. You know one of the things Jesus did in his life according to Luke chapter 4? I said, you want to know one of the things Jesus did in his life according to Luke chapter 4? On the Sabbath day, not the morning, on the Sabbath day, guess where you found Jesus? In a synagogue. The whole day. 
teaching, hearing the word taught. Why? Because it was the day for church in which he was actually raised up. The Sabbath day was the day they went to the synagogue. You know what Luke 4.13 tells you? As his custom was. Guess where you found him on the Sabbath day? God's house. Where's all the Christians today? You want to know why all things aren't working together for their good? They ain't doing the basics of Christianity of what Jesus said to do. Jesus is our model. In his day at church, where was he? In the house of God. Where are we supposed to be? In the house of God. Well, I'm a Sunday morning Christian. It's not the morning of the Lord. It is the day of the Lord. I didn't find that verse. Show me that verse where it is this the morning of the Lord. Well, this is Sunday morning of the Lord. No, it's the day of the Lord. In their day, you know why they spent the whole day? I'll tell you, in context, even relationship, when the New Testament started, you know why they spent the whole day, that first day, in the house of God together? I'm going to tell you why. Because it was the first day of the week. You know what they did? They said, God, we're going to give you that first day. Jesus was raised on the first day. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to give you that whole day to set up our week. That's your day. Called the Lord's Day. I didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. That book of Revelation, all this great revelation that came from heaven, guess when John got it? On the Lord's Day. Where was John in the context of the time he wrote the book of Revelation? Where was he? He was on the Isle of Patmos. Who was he with? Nobody by himself, but who was with him? God was. What was he doing on the Sabbath day? Well, listen, I mean on the Lord's Day. Listen, he could have easily said, come on, I'm banned. I'm on an island by myself. Doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It doesn't matter what day it is. No, guess what he did on the Lord's Day? On the Lord's Day, he was worshiping God, just like it was no different than any other time that he was actually on a different place where people were to go worship the Lord. And he got this great revelation from the Lord on the book of Revelation. Somebody say, praise the Lord. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Don't listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit today. You, when I say listen to your pastor, you ought to pay attention to what's being said, but you ought to be hearing from the Holy Spirit, from the Bible, what the Bible's being clearly de- declared to us. 1 John 2, 3, watch this. Now, by this we know that we know him if we do what? Wow. Read it again. Read it again. Now, by this we know that we know him. How well do you know him? Here's how. If you keep his commandments. What if you don't keep his commandments? You don't know him very well. I'll read it again. I know it takes a while sometimes for some of these to soak in. (laughs) Now, by this we know. In other words, this is how we know. Could I phrase it to make a little more uh, sense of what you would understand that phrase today? Now, by this we know. The phrase would be, this is how we know we know him. This is how we know that we know him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. If you really know him, get intimate with him, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep his commandments. Verse 4, he who says, I know him, I really know God, I'm close to God, but he doesn't keep his commandments? What is he? I didn't say it. I told you don't throw nothing at me today. Who said it? Who said it? God did. True John. What did he say he is? He's a liar. And the truth is what? Let me help you. When you go from being a believer who's going to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, serving in God's house, to now not serving now not Wednesday, now not Sunday, only Sunday morning. I could be there if you need me to do something else, but only Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, you're starting to pull back away from God and the things of God and what God says is a part of what we have responsibility to do to walk as a child of God. And you're going to sit here and tell me you really know God. Oh, I'm as close to God today as I've ever been. No, you're farther away and you don't even realize it. I love something Pastor said the other day. He said, for the believer, there's three positions. Ready? There's three positions for the believer. Drive, neutral, or reverse. There is no park. You're in drive, or you're in neutral, or you're in reverse. Dr. Barclay was preaching on this. Drive. You're moving forward. If you're in drive, guess what you're doing? You're moving. Guess what God wants you to do in your walk with God? Moving forward. If you're moving forward, what are you doing? You're walking the light of the Word of God. You're doing what God said. You're doing what God told you to do. Right? What if you're in reverse? You're not doing what God said anymore. Now you're backing up. Now you're pulling away from the things you used to do. Less and less and less and less and less. What's neutral? Neutral is where maybe you're not solely pulling back yet, but you're not moving forward either, and you think, no big deal. I'm just happy to be where I am. Let me help you. When you're in neutral, guess what? Everything around you affects you. Wind can blow you around, move you around. If you're in neutral, man, your car's in neutral. Somebody can just come up, push you wherever they want. 
They just push you in, push you in a ditch. The devil can do whatever he wants. Where are you supposed to be? Drive. You're supposed to be moving forward with God. Amen? Yeah, I like that. Who said that? Full throttle. Kathy did. Yeah, mash the gas, man. <laughs> hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Verse 4, if you say, I know him, I know him. Oh, I'm close to God. I'm close to God. But you don't keep his commandments? You can't attend church the way the Bible says, live in the word the way the Bible says, because you love him, and do the things that the Bible says you're supposed to do as a believer, relationship to your church and the work of God, and you say you know him? No, you don't. You're lying. You don't even realize it. Because he said, if you don't do what I tell you, but you say you know me, you're lying. Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, keeps what? Tell me out loud. So as a New Testament believer, that's the things that you and I are supposed to now walk in the light of according to the New Testament. But whoever keeps his word, watch this, you ready? Truly the love of God is perfected in him. Love has come to maturity. Why? Because Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? You'll keep my commandments. You want to get mature in love? Anybody want to get mature in love? Guess what your faith can't work without? Love. You know why a lot of people ain't seeing their faith work? Because they're not walking in true love. Because if they love God, they do what he said. But they don't do what he said, so they're not walking in a full maturity of love, and therefore their faith is being affected because faith works through love. I've said it for years. You can tie this all together. If you know God, you know God because you're keeping his commandments? No. I'm keeping his commandments because I know him. If you get to know him, guess what you find out? This is one smart God. Come on. This is one really cool God. He's a good God. Are you kidding me? And he's telling me to do this as well as I know him and as good as he is. Why would I not do what this wonderful God who I've come to know wants me to do? You kidding? I mean, now I know him. I'm going to do everything he tells me. This isn't like, well, I keep his commandments. I'll get to know him. No, no, no. You get to know him. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep his word. You're going to do what he said because you're going to know this is a smart God. This is a really cool God. This is a great God. This is a wonderful God. This is an awesome God. And I'm not getting any men's about this wonderful God of ours. But he is. So if I get to know him, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep his commandment. I'm going to keep his word. I'm going to do what his word says. Okay, what is God? He's love. He's love. If I get to know God, who do I get to know? Love. And if I get to know God, I'm keeping what? I'm keeping his word. And if I do that, verse 5 says, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is what? Complete in him. I'm going to tell you why. Because you know love. You know God. This ain't complicated stuff, folks. But that'll go over some people's heads. How do I come to this completeness and love in him? And when you get to know him, guess what you're going to do? What he said. Because you know how good he is. Verse 4. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is what? Perfected in him. Come to a place of fullness. A place of, of wholeness and maturity. And by this we know that we are what? Come on somebody. By this we know that we are what? We know that we are in him. How do I know I'm in him? Because I'm doing what he said. If I do what he said, it's because I know him. But if you don't know him, you won't do what he says. So realize over and over and over again, the Bible tells us to walk in love. What do we got to do? What he says. We start applying what he says and getting to know him. And guess what we'll start doing? We'll start experiencing more and more of God's love for us. Walking in that love and setting ourselves up for all things to work together for good. First John 5. Move over to chapter 5. Are you still here this morning? Verse 3. For this is the love of God. 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 What? For this is the... Say it out loud. For this is the love of God. In other words, you want to know what God's love is like? That we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Now, what do you mean His commandments are not burdensome? Burdensome means like they're going to weigh you down. You know, oh, man, i got to go to church. Oh, oh, oh i got to give them a tithe. Oh, oh, i got to give an offering. Oh. No, his commandments are not burdensome. 
If you walk out his commandments in love, they lift you up. They empower you. They make you stronger, not weaker. They're not a burden on your life. They're to liberate you. They're to free you from bondage. Can I get a better amen? Doing what God said is not a burden. Doing what God said, if you do it the way he said, will do what? It will lift you up. It will not weigh you down. Back up to chapter 4. Verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. He who does not love does not what? He who does not love does not what? No God. God, For God is what? See, how many many times you want to approach this in different ways? If I love him, I obey him. If I obey him, I know him. And he's love. And if I know him, I obey him. And I know love because he's love. Therefore, I love him. Can I get a better amen? Amen. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Well, that's just talking about loving other people. What about God? He's a person. If you love him, you know him. Nine, in this, is, in this the love of God was manifest toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might do what? That we might be able to live what? Through him. Go down to verse 18, same chapter. There is no fear in love. You want a sign that you're not walking in obedience to God? You're dealing with fear in your life. If you walk in his commandments, you love him. Come on. And if you know him, guess what? You know love. Are you still here? And he said, this is an indicator. Verse 18, there's no fear in love. So if I'm walking in fear, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not walking close to God. And I'm clearly, therefore, not obeying what he, all that he's told me to do. And therefore, I'm allowing fear in my life. Because there is no fear. Say no fear. There is no fear in love. But perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Now that word perfect love is the same word used over there in the very beginning of 1 John where it says this is how your love becomes perfect, complete. How? Because you actually know him and because you know him you do what he said. Again, there's no fear in love. Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Watch, because fear involves what? Torment. But he who fears has not been what? But he who fears has not been what? But he who fears has not been what? Made perfect in love. How can you not be made perfect in love? You're not doing what he said, and therefore you're not getting to know him, and therefore you're obviously not walking in love. Because if you love him, you'll do what he said, and you're going to get to know him also. Verse 19, we love him. Tell me why. Tell me why. Because he first loved us. First loved us. You know, my Bible says clearly in book of Proverbs chapter 4, what a blessing. Do not let this word depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. You make sure and incline your ear to it. Listen to what it says. Give attention to it. And I've watched this all my life. Nobody today. I'm not looking around. I'm not talking about anybody today. I've watched this all my life as a pastor. I've watched people come to church, down and out, situation, whatever, start going to the Bible, get their Bible open, follow along. How many remember going to the Bible first time, newbie in church, don't know where stuff is? I love to see people trying to find it. Because you know why you're wanting to see it. I didn't always find it. That would frustrate me sometimes. I didn't always find it. And you know what I did? I found out back in that day, because there weren't many around at the tab Bible show, I found out about these little tab kits you could buy. And I sat down for an hour. Man, I mean, Mr. Perfection Man, I mean, I got them babies labeled perfect, you know, all right right in order and stuff and everything. I said, I'm going to find that book next time Pastor says to go to that book. You know, I want to get my eyes on the Word of God. She can, she can testify. Watch me sit here and somebody preaches. I don't care if it's Randy. I don't care if it's Matt. I don't care if it's Pastor Barclay. I don't care if it's Terry Mize. I'm not sitting there without my Bible in my hand. When they tell me to go to a verse, I go to a verse. You know why I go to one? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible said, don't let this depart from your eyes. Because you'll get it in your heart. I'm going to give you a little testimony. Brother Hagan had a guy came for uh, two weeks to a, a series of messages he was doing at a church. He was most of the time in his day early on, he was never to church less than four weeks. Think about that. And that's preaching every single day except Saturday. Guess what day they gave you off? Saturday. They had a morning service, evening service. Morning service, evening service. Knowing, of course, a lot of the guys couldn't come during the day working, but they still had evening service. This guy came every evening service and needed healing in his body. He sat there, no Bible, was a believer, believer for a long time, nothing. And he came in a prayer line after a couple of weeks to Brother Hagin to pray for him. And he said, I'm not going to pray for you. He said, why? I said, do you really believe you're going to receive when I pray? Well, I hope so. No, nope. see, you're not going to. He said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Well, you do what I tell you. He said, well, if it's not hard, so everybody wants something easy. Yeah, if it's not hard, said so it's not that hard. Where's your Bible? It's at home. Why ain't it here with you? 
Here's what you do. For the next two weeks, you don't miss any of these services, even if you've got to take off for a couple weeks. You don't miss any of these next services. And every day you're here, you open those, bio, you open those verses, everyone get your eyes on them and look at them. Watch faith grow. And in two weeks, that he, did, he did what he told him. At the end of two weeks, he came back up for prayer. He said, I know I'm going to be healed. Come on, just lay your hands on me. Come on, come on, come on. And he laid his hands on and was instantly healed. What was the difference? He put his eyes on the Word. I've watched believers in my life come to church to get to the point later on as they so-called mature after 20 years, no longer even bringing a Bible or not even looking at it. Let me help you. This isn't required like I got to do it. The Bible says you got, but listen, you're supposed to keep your eyes on the Word. You'd be, a different, you'd be amazed how different faith will come if you do. Well, they couldn't do that with Jesus today. He was the living Word walking right in front of them. But it's vital. It's critical to your faith. It'll help your faith. I said it'll help your faith. So again, watch this. Verse 18, love has no fear in it. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. 19, why do we love him? Tell me why. Because he first loved us. Why would you not love God? Because he first loved you. I'm going to close. Go to the book of Job. Job is the oldest known book in all of the Bible. All of the scriptures from everything of what scholars know. Clearly probably the first book ever written that's been canonized in scripture. Is all the Bible inspired by God? Yes. It was actually scrutinized for many, 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 many years by scholars to determine, reading on the context of the actual books or letters, is this truly something we could say without a doubt God had to have spoken that. They wouldn't have known that. And so all these books are inspired by the, by the, by the Holy Spirit, by God. But it doesn't mean everything said here is true about God. God just recorded what they said. But he did it so you'd read the whole book. Most people read the first couple chapters of Job and they stop. You ever read the whole book? Why don't you read the whole book and find out what he says at the end? You might be surprised what he says at the end of the book. But we know here in Job chapter 1 verse 6, it says there was a day when the Son of God came to prevent, to present, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Verse 7, that the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord, uh, the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now he's not, you know, throwing Job to the dogs here or under the bus as we would say. He said, you've been going through the whole earth. Have you come across my servant Job? Notice, there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. How many think he loved God? How many think he loved God? I said, how many you think he loved God? So if he loved God, he was certainly probably doing most of what God clearly told him to do. Would he not be doing what God told him to do? If you love God, do you not do what God tells you to do? Yeah, absolutely. So most of you know the story. Right? So clearly because he's on the earth, fallen earth, fallen planet, Satan has access to everybody here. Guess what? He can't take his life, but he can certainly attack him just like he can attack me and you. And that's what he did. He attacks Job. Well, let's just find out if this guy will serve you or not. Let's just see if he'll really stick with you or not. And so, man, he goes through all kinds of a whirlwind of stuff. His kids die from a storm. Not only that, but guess what else happens? He loses all of his he loses all of his wealth. And I mean this guy gets afflicted with every, almost every kind of attack on his body you can think of. Even boils and sores all over his body. And in the midst of all of that stuff going on, notice what Job said. I want you to see this. In the end of the first chapter of Job, it says here in verse 21, he said, Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, interesting, the next verse. Look at this, verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. What? He didn't charge God with wrong. Now, he just said the Lord gave it and the Lord took it away. But guess what? The Lord didn't take it away. Who took it away? The devil took it away. Job was a little goofed up in his doctrine at this point, thinking God took it away. But God didn't take it away because if you tell me he did, then that means the devil is a tool for God. The devil is a pawn for God, and God uses the devil to teach us stuff. There's no place in the Bible you can ever find that backed up, ever. God don't need the devil to teach people stuff. Jesus never used the devil to teach anybody anything. How many would say amen to that? Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? So Job's got his doctrine a little messed up. The Lord gave, the Lord took away. Did the Lord take it away? No, he didn't. 
But isn't it interesting, even though he thought that the Lord took it away, even though he thought that, what did he say about the Lord? He didn't charge him with wrong. He didn't get upset and mad at God. God, why'd you do this? Isn't that amazing? As bad as things were, and him thinking God took it away from him, he still, guess what, didn't say, well, God, why'd you do this? He didn't charge him with wrong. That's pretty amazing. Go to 13, chapter 13. I'm telling you, folks, if Job could do this under the Old Testament, not without the, without the Holy Spirit living in him, how much more could we not obey God and what he's asked us to do? Job 13, are you there? Verse 15, Job 13, 15. Again, this is a statement that he actually said, but it's not true about God because God didn't cause these things to happen. The devil did. Notice his statement, though he, God, slay me, I will trust him. Isn't that amazing? He thinks God is the one slaying him, taking this stuff from him. But thinking he must know what he's doing, I'm not going to tell him that he's wrong because he's God. But even though he slay me, underline it, yet will I trust him. Job said, I will not stop trusting my God, even though he slay me. Did God slay him? No. And yet he still said, I will trust him. Is that not an amazing statement? Yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite could not come before him. What is Job saying here? If you go to the end of the book, and we don't have time, and you can read it later, but guess what Job does at the end of the book? God shows up in a wind, and guess what God says? Hey, Job, 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 got a question for you, buddy. Got a question. Were you there when I made the Leviathan? What's a Leviathan? Don't know? Sea creature of some kind, some type of dinosaur creature. Were you there? No, no, I wasn't around when you did that one. Oh, I thought you knew everything about me. Just paraphrasing. Were you there when I brought this in existence? Isn't no, no. But you sure seem to know a lot about me. Basically, what he's saying: you told you've told all your friends that I've slayed you. He said, "I'm gonna tell you what, Job." He said, "I want you to go start ministering to your friends. I want you to get focused off of you and start focusing on going and ministering to these two buddies of yours that are giving you all this bad counsel. That they're agreeing with you and saying, yeah, God surely must have done this because you must have done something really bad.' What did God say about him? He was blameless." But you have an enemy. I said, you have an enemy. And so realize at the end of Job's life, what does he do? He starts ministering to those guys who restored back and even more than what he had. God did. God didn't take away. God restored. Say, God's the restorer, not the taker. Now, I want you to get this. But notice what he said in this verse right here. Even though he slay me, guess what? I'll trust him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know God's not going to slay you. How could you not trust him? How could you not obey what he says? Because if you trust him, guess what that means? I'm going to do what he tells me. Now, if Job could say, I'm going to do what he tells me, even though he thought God was doing all this bad to him, and we know God doesn't do all this bad to us, and we can't do what he says, I'm going to tell you why Job actually made that statement. I'm going to tell you why. Because Job was so in love with God. He so reverenced God. He so honored God. He so truly loved and cared about God with all his heart that he was not going to stop obeying what God told him to do. How do we know? He told him to go minister to his friends. Guess what he did? He did exactly what God told him to do. Anybody else would have said, God, are you serious? Really? Do you not know my situation? Like you've been kind of sleeping up there? Do you not see what's going on down here? I mean, I thought you were the one doing all this stuff. I mean, come on, man. Look at my body. I've been a little afflicted here with some few, few little problems, man. My wife, what a sweetheart, Lord. But I haven't walked away from her. What a sweetheart. Curse your God and die. Oh, yeah, okay, darling, sure. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. She's really helped my faith. Boy, she's standing right there with me. What a great faith encouragement she is to me. Lost all my kids. Why were the children allowed to be struck? I'll tell you why. Because they were not bringing blood sacrifice offerings for the sins that they committed required by God. God could not cover them. God could not protect him under the Old Testament. But Job was. See, that's why God said, can't take his life. Why? He's obeying me. He's doing what I told him he had to do so I can cover his sin. His boys chose not to. His kids chose not to. They chose to live their own little life, do their own little thing. You still here? Yes. 
if Job could say, God slay me, and he did not, yet I will trust him. Come on, guys. How much more could we not trust God to say, God, whatever you say, I'm in, man. I'm in. Church, in. Bible, in. Prayer, in. Giving, in. Serving, in. Doing it because I love you, in. Not because I have to. Not because it's a religion. Because I love you. And we'll tell you, folks, this number two is a big problem with a lot of people, and they don't realize it. One of the reasons everything's not working out together for your good, I'm going to tell you why. I wish I had time, but I don't. James tells you, if you're a hearer of the word, not a doer, you're listening, you're cursing your life. Cursing your life. He who hears this word and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of what it says will be blessed. You want to know why you're going to be blessed? Because you love God. You know why you're going to be blessed? Because you're going to know God. How can you know God and yet not do what God says? You can't according to the Bible. How can you love God and not do what God says? You can't according to his own words. If we keep hearing the word but not doing it, what are we telling God? Exactly right. Evidently, we don't love him as much as we think. Because if we hear what he's telling us, why is he telling us to do things in the New Testament? Read it. He wants all things working together for your good. He's already set it up, man. He's already set it up for you. And if you do things God's way, guess what happens? All things work together for your good. What if you don't do it God's way? Then not go, don't blame God. Because if you love him, guess what you do? You do what he says in his word. Can I get a better amen? Does that mean any of us perfected in this life? No. But the basics, come on. You ask the average person who's been in church any length of time, what's the basics of Christianity? I'll guarantee you, everybody could answer those questions for you, but yet so many people seem to not want to do what they know. It's a big problem. And I'll guarantee you, the devil more than ever doesn't want to see all things work together for your good. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to try to get you to not do what the Bible says. And every time, I love it, every time, James 4, 7, come on, man. Pastor Barclay's powerful teaching, the power of positive resistance. Submit to God, you automatically do what? Resist the devil. What will he do? What if you're not submitting to God? You're not resisting the devil, folks. You listening? A lot of people say, oh, I've been resisting the devil. He ain't fleeing. Probably because you're not submitting to God. Because if you submit to God, you're automatically resisting the devil. He got no choice. He got to flee. That's what the Bible said. You believe the Bible? I've watched it work more times than I can tell you. By just submitting to God. When my mind did not want to submit to God. When my mind did not want to focus on the Word of God. It wanted to focus on all my problems. Come on, when my mouth wanted to say everything that I know I shouldn't say. That's not submitting to God. Submitting to God is saying what you know God said. I'm preaching better than your amen. Submitting to God is not saying what your circumstances say. Submitting to God is saying what God says. Submitting to God is doing what God says to do in every situation of your life. And when you do, what are you doing? I'm resisting the devil. Well, guess what's going to happen? He's going to have to flee. He got no choice. Can I get a better amen? What if I keep resisting the devil, but I don't submit to God? I don't obey God. Then guess what? The devil has a right to hang around. Don't let him. I said don't let him. It's time to correct the things in our life of the basics of Christianity that we know the Bible is very clear about. And if we do, we'll start seeing, guess what? All things work together. Right? The number one thing people make excuses for today. Now, I didn't say that there's not going to be times you're not going to be in God's house. The number one thing people make excuses about not being in God's house today, I guarantee it, is all these things going on in their life. Don't have time to this, 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 this. All right, go back and read what Jesus talked about in a parable. About three excuses given to him why not to be in God's house. Guess what he didn't do? He didn't accept any of those excuses. Doesn't mean you'd ever miss church. I didn't say that. But I guarantee you when all of a sudden now I got all these excuses why I can't go to church like I used to. Can't spend time with God like I used to. He is that word. Come on, somebody. Don't say you know him and you don't do what he says. Stand to your feet.
We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.